We can't escape seeing all the people coming to the rescue these days, whether it's the doctors, nurses, and other hospital staff on the front line, or grocery clerks, postal workers, and the folks fulfilling orders at Amazon. There are so many people making an impact in this important time. I'm Patrice Sikora with Laura Gregg of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. In this Flexible Advisor podcast, Laura looks at the financial advisory community and the people helping everyone through this. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor podcast with Laura Gregg and David Partain of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Laura and David have two guests today, and the topic is the CARES Act. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Laura and I today. We are excited to have joining us Susan Kachara and Lee Freitag, who are both part of the Retirement Solutions Group right here within Northern Trust Asset Management. They focus on creating thought-provoking research and insights, as well as investment solutions to help drive better retirement outcomes. They each come with extensive experience in the financial industry. Susan has over 20 years and Lee over 25 years. And during the most recent decade, they have spent working with plan sponsors, consultants, and advisors on providing the right information, tools, and investment ideas for retirement investors. Lee, in particular, has been very connected to the Northern Trust Government Relations Team and broader industry associations in order to keep the pulse on legislative action impacting retirement. I know I am excited to hear from both of them, and I appreciate them offering to share their insights as it relates to the recently enacted CARES Act today. Thanks, David. Uh, This is Laura. I am so excited about this as well, so let's get going. Uh, Let's start out with a quick review of the CARES Act and what it encompasses. Hi, Laura. Hi, Dave. Lee Freitag, and thank you for having me on your podcast today. I think for the CARES Act, it's really important up front to acknowledge the the swiftness or the the quickness of government reaction to this phased approach of stimulus, which ultimately led to the CARES Act. It really started with two smaller phases. If you consider billions of dollars in funding small phases, phases one and two in early March, which really led to the third and final phase or interim phase here of the passage of the CARES Act on March 27th. This $2.2 trillion fiscal stimulus response to the uh, otherwise crushing economic impact of the COVID-19 virus, uh, as most states enacted a shelter-in-place protocol to prevent the virus from spreading, was really important. And the follow-on effect of this economic impact is really intense um, short-term unemployment, affecting millions of employees and disrupting their daily lives, as we've all experienced. And so as individuals and families suffer from unemployment, uh, wages used to pay bills, pay their rent, and feed their families, are these payments are curtailed or perhaps even stopped altogether with no real end in sight. Think about our governments. They're combating this global virus that's directly affecting millions of people. But at the same time, they've got to provide stimulus for their economies to financially recover and survive throughout this period. And so we view the CARES Act as a bridge to short-term financial survival in the U.S. And so what does this bill include right now? It includes $454 billion in emergency lending to businesses, states, and cities, about $350 billion allocated for the Paycheck Protection Program that's getting additional review today. And that's meant to help small businesses impacted by the pandemic to make payroll and cover other expenses from February 15th to June 30th. And it also provides for $150 billion 
in a coronavirus relief fund for state and city government expenditures incurred due to dealing with the coronavirus public health emergency, as well as provisions to ease the tax burden on access to retirement assets that we'll talk about today. I was going to add to that uh, on top of Lee's comments, the CARES Act, I think, is so important to think about. It, it isn't about trying to boost consumer spending because we're not at that point yet. It's more about trying to put a floor underneath people and to make sure that businesses can stay afloat so they don't have to necessarily lay off as many people as they might otherwise have to. And so I think it's also important to point out the magnitude of the stimulus package and how it compares to the most recent historical financial stimulus that occurred in 2009. The CARES Act represents almost 10% of current GDP, where the 2009 package represented just about just over 5%. It was 5.3% of GDP. Two important points about the CARES Act specifically. There is so much to unpack with all of that, and we're so uh, delighted to have you guys on today to help us break it down. But so our, our audience is primarily financial advisors, and, and we know that some clients listen as well. What would you say the key components of the act are that are most relevant for financial advisors and their clients? Yeah, you're right, Laura. This is uh, this is Lee again. And the act itself is probably 880-page document, but the two areas where we would focus on as it relates to the audience in terms of advisors and clients, uh, that would be the most helpful in leveraging the benefits provided by the CARES Act would be relief provisions for retirement investors. And the second would be those provisions that help small businesses in terms of decisions relating to their benefit programs and keeping their businesses supported in terms of overhead expenses during this time, which is definitely covered by the Paycheck Protection Program. If we're taking a look at the, the more, in, more in depth, what potential relief does the CARES Act provide for retirement investors? Yeah, there, there's a number of provisions and three key ones that I think are important that we discuss today that are permissible by the CARES Act and are aimed at providing relief for short-term funding needs for retirement investors. And maybe Lee and I can kind of take turns covering each of them because they both they all have a lot of detail. And um, but I'll start off. I think the first that we would cover is around the waiving of the required minimum distribution, which I'll con- I'll say uh, RMD just because it's a mouthful to say over and over again. Um, again, required minimum distributions or RMDs from qualified retirement accounts like DC plans and individual retirement accounts (IRAs). These RMDs have been suspended for 2020 which will help everyone who otherwise would have had to take distributions based on much higher account balances as of the end of 2019. And it's important that advisors communicate quickly to their clients to prevent them from taking an unnecessary distribution if they don't need it. Really important to understand that these RMDs have been suspended for 2020 if they haven't already taken it, to get in touch with those clients so that they don't take the distribution if they don't need it. Unfortunately, for many investors, this RMD suspension is meaningless to them if it is necessary for them to withdraw an equal to or greater amount than their otherwise RMD would be in order to support them in retirement, which is the reality for many. For those that have already taken a distribution in 2020 and didn't necessarily need to do so in order to support their lifestyle, it's important to get these assets back into a qualified retirement account as soon as possible. And the CARES Act actually makes this possible as it retroactively, beginning January 1st, 
makes them eligible rollover distributions. Unfortunately, for those that already took their 2020 distributions from an inherited IRA, there's nothing that they can do. However, for others who are still within 60 days from taking the distribution, they may roll them back into an IRA or qualified plan, assuming that they also meet this other kind of elusive IRS rule, which is called the once in 12 month rule, which only allows one IRA distribution to be contributed back into an IRA within a 12 month period. So if a person has already rolled an IRA distribution to another IRA, then they will not be able to do this rollover back into their IRA tax-free. They do, however, have two options. They can roll it into a qualified plan like a 401k plan, as there are no limits on the number of IRA to 401k rollover contributions, or they can roll it into a Roth IRA, which they would still have to pay tax on it, but at least the assets would grow and be distributed at a later date tax-free. Susan, I'm curious if there's any um, help for those people with large, or maybe not so large anymore, but 401k assets where, um, you know, there's always that penalty for withdrawing before you're 59 and a half, I believe is the number. Are there any provisions to help people that may need to pull a little bit out just to help themselves stay afloat during this time? Yeah, there actually is a second provision, which is to waive the 10% tax penalty on taking early distributions. Again, this is permissible by the CARES Act. It doesn't necessarily mean that plan sponsors will adopt this provision, but this enables retirement investors to take an early coronavirus-related distribution if they qualify for them from qualified plans like 401k or 43b plans up to 100000 without incurring that 10% tax penalty that they otherwise would have had to if they were under the age of 59 and a half, as you had mentioned. The distribution is still taxed and can be paid in equal parts over a three-year period beginning the taxable year of 2020. The interesting part is that the CARES Act enables investors to actually recontribute these funds that they've withdrawn back to an eligible retirement plan. So as long as the eligible retirement plan allows rollover contributions into it, they're able to actually recontribute these funds back when they're, when they're back up on their feet and no longer need these funds. Um, they can do it in either a single payment or multiple payments as long as they're made within a three-year period of that distribution taking place. The good news around the recontributed amounts is that they're not counted towards the typical IRS limits. There's typical annual maximum contribution limits that the IRS sets. So those would not actually count towards those. So you're able to recontribute funds back in and also make your annual contributions subject to the current IRS limits. That is the second provision as well. If I can jump in on that as well, and really from our initial research, it's going to be hard to tell just how many plan sponsors will actually adopt this distribution provision because many recognize the potential damage that comes from participants withdrawing assets amid a steep market decline and actually will make it difficult to recover losses. So it's really our hope that working with plan sponsors, they'd be encouraged to think about other mechanisms to deal with short-term funding needs, such as spending uh, current contributions into these plans to address expenses. In our view, the distribution options should be used as a last resort over all other avenues that have been explored or exhausted. Can you speak a bit to the Paycheck Protection Program? Hopefully that's good news for a lot of people. Yeah, sure. The Paycheck Protection Program is aimed at supporting small businesses of up to about 500 people. 
as many of us know, the U.S. is comprised primarily of small businesses. In fact, about 99% of all businesses in the U.S. are small businesses. And within those small businesses, there are 30 million that employ 60 million people who really are in the crosshairs of unemployment, kind of like you just mentioned, David. And speaking of unemployment, the latest stats show a record 16 million unemployment claims filed in the last three weeks. So about 160 million Americans working prior to the crisis and 16 million unemployed. Simple math says there's 10% unemployment over the last three weeks, but we might expect that to climb upwards of another two or three percent. We'll look for those numbers in early May to see if there's additional unemployment that's going to be impacted from the coronavirus pandemic. It hits you it hits you hard. Uh, having spent a short stint out of work myself, I, I can tell you that these real people are experiencing some things that they probably never thought they would have to experience. And so I am very grateful for these type of government actions that are going in and appreciate you explaining them to us. Sure. Maybe if I can provide a little more color on how the paycheck program actually works. The program is designed to really to, to combat this explosive unemployment by providing small business loans to businesses with fewer than 500 employees that are guaranteed by the Small Business Administration. Here are the terms. The terms are friendly for borrowers. There's no fees, a 1% interest rate, no payments for six months, and no collateral required. Eight weeks of costs, including rent, utilities, and payrolls, can eventually be forgiven. And the, but the employment here is the program's main focus. 75% of the forgiven amount must apply to payrolls, and employers must maintain headcount or quickly, uh, quickly rehire. Lee or Susan, um, what are some ways that advisors can help investors in terms of balancing the need to support the short-term funding needs versus remaining focused on the long-term investment goals? Part of it is, is reviewing with them the various options that they can pursue before tapping their retirement assets. And we talked a little bit about the distribution from the 401k being kind of a last resort. Our first consideration would be to suspend contributions or savings in retirement portfolios and use that money to support short-term expenses. Um, however, I just saw a stat that amazed me, which was that 39% of the American population does not have enough money to support an unplanned $400 expense. And this was information from before the current crisis. The struggle is real for many American workers. And so if just suspending saving is not enough, then identifying whether a loan is possible or a distribution and which one that makes the most sense in terms of still being able to meet their retirement goals. I do want to mention real quick that there is another provision as it relates to um, the CARES Act, which is the loan from qualified plans, where there is an extension of loan limits and an extension of repayment periods. And prior to the passage of the CARES Act, the retirement plan participant loans were limited to 50000 or one half of the participant's vested account balance. For a period commencing with the date of the passage of the act, which was March 27th, and lasting for 180 days, I'm sorry, thereafter, the CARES Act actually doubles the amount that a participant can borrow to the lesser of 100000 or 100% of their vested account balance in the plan. And for plan participants with outstanding loans at the time that the CARES Act is pa was passed, any payments through December 31st, 2020 can be deferred for a year. 
again, this is a provision that's permissible and plans can implement these changes provided that they're amended in their plan documents no later than the 1st of January in 2022. Just to give you some perspective as to what that loan activity looked like in comparison to what we saw in previous financial crisis, we, we look to see when increased loan provisions were, were done back then, they actually weren't ever changed in 2009 as they have been today. The Employee Benefit Research Institute looked at loan activity back to 1996. And from that time until recent, loans as a percentage of outstanding balances averaged about 15%. So for example, if I saw a $100,000 balance in any random 401k account, I would expect on average to see a loan outstanding of about 15,000. So looking at the global financial crisis of 2008-2009 as the baseline for a crisis, the loans to account percentage during that time was essentially in line with historical averages. We would have expected to see higher levels of loans given the financial crisis at the time, but we don't see that in the data. And it's the same when we reviewed that data from the 2000 tech crash. So given 2020's pandemic and people's need for resources, we might see them tapping this line as, as a last course of action, only time will tell. But that is another tool in their toolkit is to think about just stopping contributions as a first resort, you know, and using that. If not, then considering a loan. And if not, then thinking about a distribution. Finally, we think there's another area where advisors can help those that don't have issues meeting their short-term funding needs. Um, and this is what we're calling the silver lining to this very turbulent market that has left retirement accounts and balances 20 to 30% lower than they were last year. Normally, we would encourage investors to stay the course, keep their eyes on the long-term goal. However, we believe advisors can help identify those clients where it might make sense to take advantage of the lower balances to create tax diversification in a retirement portfolio by considering a conversion to a Roth IRA. Now is the time to consider a conversion since balances have taken a hit, but they're expected to recover. This one-time conversion can help minimize the amount of tax that one would have to pay on the amount converted and allow it to recover and grow tax-free in a Roth account. The good news is that from an eligibility standpoint, anyone can do this as there aren't income limits to conversions to Roth accounts. This is contrary to the income limits that are set on traditional IRAs. However, it's important to note that this is a taxable transaction. So it's important that the advisor find those that have the ability to actually pay the taxes on the converted amount at this time, which might be a challenge for some. What's interesting is that Roth conversions create tax benefits by creating initial or additional tax diversification within a portfolio. And it's an important way to plan for the uncertainty around tax rates will be, in particular for those that have a long time period before they reach retirement. In addition, I think one of the best attributes of a Roth is the potential to grow and spend those assets tax-free especially if we begin to see higher tax rates. It allows investors withdrawal flexibility. They can tap their traditional uh, IRA accounts, which are taxed in retirement. They can tap Roth accounts, which are tax-free, and they can combine that with Social Security benefits and minimize overall taxes in retirement, depending on where tax rates are, what's most advantageous to do to withdraw at the time. The other thing that's really important is that Roth accounts are not subject to required minimum distribution or RMD requirements that traditional IRAs are subject to beginning at the age of 72. 
So again, really helpful in terms of providing withdrawal flexibility. And then finally, Roth IRAs can help with estate planning as these tax-free dollars can be passed on to heirs and enable them the same tax-free withdrawal benefit. This is the silver lining of the turbulent markets we've seen is that this is a great time for those that can afford to do so to convert some of their assets and, and create some tax diversification in their retirement portfolio. So Lee, what are some key implementations that we expect regulators to take on the CARES Act to help advisors with clarity of how to proceed with their clients? Sure, uh, David. And the one thing I wanted to touch on and we sort of missed it a little bit was around the distribution provisions, people have to meet are expected to meet necessary qualifications for these distribution provisions. And the individuals impacted must self-certify that they've been diagnosed with COVID-19, the spouse or dependent is diagnosed with COVID-19, or they've been impacted financially uh, via quarantine, the termination of a job, a furlough, or really a number of provisions that people can relate to in terms of how they've been impacted that would allow them to make distributions. Now, having said that, where I think the follow-up from the IRS and the DOL is important is around self-certification. How does a plan sponsor know that you truly have been impacted? How, how do you prove it? it? It seems like the IRS and the DOL would really want a lot more qualifications around this. Otherwise, it seems like something that's rather ripe for abuse. So I think that's one thing we need to see some more clarity on from the IRS and or the Department of Labor. Another thing that we were talking about is if a participant takes a distribution and pays taxes in 2020 and 2021, can that person roll that distribution back into a plan or IRA in 2022 and then apply for a tax refund. So these are some of the questions that are coming out of a quickly enacted stimulus bill that certainly will have to be answered. And from a broader plan sponsor perspective, for a defined contribution plan, tracking these participant withdrawals related to these withdrawal provisions, what records do they need to keep? How do they prove that these are specifically related to the COVID uh, pandemic? So those things have a lot more research to be done, I think. But in addition to this stimulus package, I think future stimulus packages are not only likely, but they're mostly a certainty. In fact, our government's talking about many of them right now, kind of a phase four. But there's a general recognition that something bigger needs to be done to lift the economy from life support, really where it is now with the current package, to a stimulus package to get the economy on full track to full health. And really, the first package was just meant as a means for support and as Susan had said, not one to boost demand, but we need another package directly aimed at aggregate demand and growth. Some ideas being floated include extending the current package to make the benefits last longer, as well as plugging in some of the holes. One item in particular being discussed is a desire for more money to shore up state government budgets that are collapsing under lost tax revenues and new spending demands. You may hear, though, some the daily reports from governors around the pandemic. So certainly more to come on that, and I expect the government will um, deliver on those on those issues. Lee and uh, Susan, thank you so much. We're, we're near time, but I, I really love that comment that you just made, the life support where we are now to true stimulus to really get the economy going. And some takeaways I've had is be careful with your 401k and qualified plans. Look to, if you need funding, maybe stop making contributions first, then consider a loan. 
And it's a very last resort, uh, a withdrawal from those plans. And we all know you've told us that the sponsors um, really uh, are the ones managing that and the availability of those options, those last two specifically. And then, you know, the opportunity to consider a, a conversion to a Roth IRA. I'm hoping that it sounds like we'll be seeing a lot more regulation coming through, and we would love it if you could join us uh, at a later date to help us unpack some of the things that um, are still forthcoming and maybe continue to give us clarity around what's already been uh, provided. Happy to do so, Laura. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you both. Thank you, Laura David. Thank you. Have a great day. Lots of information there to digest, folks. Thanks very much. Thank you, Laura, David. Thank you, Susan and Lee. It's very easy to subscribe to the Flexible Advisor podcast with Laura Gregg and David Partain of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Just hit the subscribe button right on this page. You can also share this conversation with friends and colleagues by tapping the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.